Anyway, we're going to continue in our Simple Life series. How many enjoyed last week's Simple Life? What we talked about was simple, being simple, talked about clarity, and what we talked about, a simple relationship with God, our life, our relationship with Jesus Christ. We wanted to remove all the laws, and we wanted to build upon relationship. And we talked about how to connect with Jesus in such a magnificent way. And how we, the two commands that he calls us to do is a simple life is to love God and to love people. And the reason why you can love people because you love God. And if you know my, my little saying here, because I love the karate kid with Ralph Macchio, wax on, wax off, right? Love God, love people. We don't want you doing the kicks until you know how to do these things. Okay, when I used to play the drums, I wanted to play with a bass and all those other things. I wanted to, they gave me a block with a wood block with two fat sticks. And they said, beat, 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 right? Okay, I'm ready for the drum. No, you got two years of that. What? So make everybody think I was playing drums. I would sit behind some and take pictures. <laughs> I couldn't, they wouldn't give me a drum set. I was in a drum school. I had to learn how to read the music. Yes, there's music to drums. But they gave me a block. They wanted to keep it simple. So when I got the simplicity down on the double beat, triple beat, quadruple beat, I'm going to show you one day at the end of the series. I'm going to get out there and blow up the drums. They gave me a snare. Wow. What I had to do? Double beat, triple beat. But the snare, at least it bounces back. So I got quicker, got quicker, got good, got good, got good. And then they started adding pieces to it. Well, that's what we want to talk about the simple life. Sometimes we start with the complication and try to make it simple. And God says, you know, this relationship with me is just as simple as a husband and a wife or a family and kids. Love. It zeroes on the one word, love. Everything we deal with, anything wrong in our world, believe it or not, comes back to love. We try to build laws for it call it different names, but really, if we love each other more, we have less law. The more laws we have, the less love we'll have. The simplicity of it. So what we're going to talk about today is movement. Movement. We go from clarity to movement. Because a lot of us live congested lives in our walk. How many would say, you know, I really want to grow in God, but I feel like I'm stagnant. I'm not moving. Something's in my way. How come I can't seem to grow? Seem like I got born again. I haven't grown anywhere. And we're going to talk about how you can uh, create and how you can sustain movement in your life. Because everything that has been put in motion stays in motion. And it doesn't matter if you're 16, 26, 36, 86. Your life is in God, walking with God. It should always be progressive. It should never be stagnant. It should never be congested. People get to drive in the streets of L.A. in the highways, the 405. It's never clear. And nothing worse than getting stuck in traffic. What happens when you're stuck in traffic? You've got to be somewhere in 30 minutes. But you're going to be in this highway for about an hour and a half. Back in the days, you didn't have a cell phone to call them and tell them I'm going to be late. But you got frustrated. And what happens is, as believers, if we don't grow and start moving with God and growing in God, we become frustrated Christians. And most of it is growing in our love for him, growing in that intimacy with him. Because everything else, we react to everything else because we're frustrated at our own walk 
with God. And a lot of people we don't talk about, we give you all the big things. We chase the models of God. We chase the things of God, the Holy Spirit, all these things, all these great things. But we never chase the love of God, the intimacy of God. And God calls us to be intimate with him, which brings movement in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We're going to talk about some things that Paul speaks. He's actually talking about Moses, and then we're going to go into Exodus and talk about Moses, how he was able to um, create and sustain movement in his life. Because, you know, leading two, half, two and a half million people is tough. 2 Corinthians 3.18, if you have your Bible, uh, you can open it up there. If you have a, a smartphone, put it there. I'm using the ESV version. I'll have mine right here in front of me. If not, it's on the screen. And we with all unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And this is Paul speaking. He's really talking about Moses and how we, as the New Testament, the veils are off our face. Well, he's talking about Moses when he went up on the hill to meet with God and he got in, in the presence of God. His face changed, the glory of God reflecting off God into him. And he would come down the mountain. Everyone saw how, whoa, the glory of God on Moses' face. But one of the things that happened when it started to um, come down, when the glory started to um, fade, he put a veil on his face. So no one could see his faith because they were so excited that the presence of God and God and Moses, that you know if it's faded, they'll think it's just another fake religion or just something that doesn't really work. So he put a veil on his face. He'll go back into the presence of God, get lit right back up again, and then come out and see the people, speak, teach the people. And when it started to fade, he would put the veil on his face. Well, in the New Testament, when Jesus came, the veil was on our hearts. They were closed up. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the veil was open. So we have unveiled faces. Now Moses reflected the glory of God. But when we get with God in his presence, in intimacy with God, we don't have to reflect anything. We actually radiate his presence to people. See, reflection goes away if you, if you put the light the wrong way. For us, it doesn't go away because Jesus has not gone away. He's alive. So we radiate the kingdom of God and we radiate his presence on us. So that's an amazing thing. So you know when someone's been with God. It looks like the person who sat in front of a, uh, what do you call it, a tanning booth. Trying to look brown. I'm trying to help you. You don't need to do that. Just hang out with me. You want brown in the family? Hang out with me. I'm brown. It's all the family. You get cancer? No, just kidding. But what happens is, that's what they look like. And even the doctors told me and Donna, as we got um, more seasoned, they said, you guys have a vitamin D problem. So I drink milk. You've been hiding from the sun. So they gave us these pills. So we decided, I ain't taking these pills. We're going to go out in the sun. And as the sun beamed on us, our, brush, our, our blood changed because of the radiation of the sun. And we start to radiate health, not a pill. So when you're in front of the sun, the glory of the sun, 
when you look at the word of God, which is the mirror, and you see the sun, the, the Holy Spirit changes you, and you start looking like the glory of God on you. So when you read your Bible and you see Jesus in your Bible, the Holy Spirit sees you looking in the Bible and starts to change you from the inside out. And you start looking like into his image. You start looking like Jesus. Because the whole goal is to make us look more like Jesus. Not on the outside, but on the inside so it will permeate on the outside. That's how important it is. So when you get into the word, the mirror, because when you read the Bible, how many know when you read the Bible, it starts to read you? <laughs> yeah, everybody, mmm. Yeah. And it starts, something starts to change on you. The Holy Spirit brings change, and everyone knows you're different. That's what he's talking about. Just as God transformed Moses, he transformed us by his presence into his image. The more I'm with God, the more I start to act like, look like, talk like, speak like, hear like, see like God. That's his plan, to take Rich, who was born 55 years ago, and make him look more like Jesus every single day. It's called movement, glory to glory, faith to faith. I, can't re- I cannot rest on what I learned yesterday. I have to continue moving. I can't park my car in the middle of 405. It'll be a train wreck. So what you learned in 1970, 1980, it doesn't work today in 2012. Because it's all guys always moving. His glory is always manifesting. His kingdom's always expanding. A lot in our hearts. Our spiritual life should never be one of stagnation, but of constant movement. Why? Because we are created for fellowship with God. If you go back in the beginning, the very beginning of Genesis. Now, ladies, don't get upset talking to the guys. God created Adam, says in in chapter 2, in the beginning. He had fellowship and intimacy with Adam before Eve showed up. Then they became the total package. But God, I mean, Adam had, had a fellowship with God before he had a fellowship with Eve. Ladies, if you're looking for a man, let him have fellowship with God first before he has fellowship with you. He doesn't be perfect, but he has to know what God says because he has to know what to do. If he doesn't know what to do because he doesn't know what God says, then you're in my office trying to figure out why you don't know what to do. Because you never went to God because you don't know what God said. Now, I ain't repeating that. <laughs> Put down the tape. That must be anointed. Anyway. <laughs> There's a um, law that Sir Isaac Newton came out with. It's called the law of motion. came out three of them. The first law says this. First law of motion states that an object at rest, listen to this, tends to stay at rest. And an object in motion tends to stay in motion with the same speed in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Basically, objects tend to keep doing what they're doing. If an object isn't moving, it's going to not move. If an object's continuing to move, it'll move unless it's an unbalanced force. Most of the time in the kingdom, we are the unbalanced force. We stop moving. And we don't do well standing still. 
we have to be mobile. We have to be sharing the gospel with other people. We have to learn how to love and engage other people. When we stand still, we stop growing. And we think the more Bible study we get, the more we grow. You know when you grow is when you share the gospel with somebody. And you share love with them. And they reject you. There's a growth spurt right there. (laughs) I don't want to hear what you got to say. Oh, you're going to grow right then and there because you're either going to grow to the God's side, bless you, or you're going to really, I'll bless you. So let's talk about that. There's a couple keys of creating and sustaining movement in our lives. And what are you talking about in 2 Corinthians 3.18? We're talking about Moses. Well, we're going to go to talk about Moses, how he was able to create and sustain movement in his life. Now, you got to recognize Moses. He was a a golden man. No one can handle 2 million, 2.5 million people and keep them on the same page and then move them. And he had a point in his life in, in chapter 32 when he went up on the mountain to hang with God and get the instruction to instruct the people. And they said, well, he's not coming back. It's only 40 days. Let's just have a party. Let's build us a God from creation. They're partying. He's coming down the hill, glowing. And he's like, wait a minute. And one of the writers said this. The reason why that happened, so God to show them that they need something. They need order. That's why I had to go back on the hill again. Well, you get in chapter 33, and this is the first time, one of the time, well, not, yeah, this is about the first, second time that you heard God want to go postal on some people. <laughs> I'm serious. He wanted to do some, he wanted to do some work. Let's read it, because we're all in it, okay? When y'all have, your, when your kids say no to you, Before you say, I love you, (laughs) what do you do? You walk around to cool off because you don't want to go what? Come on. You don't want to go what? Exactly. (laughs) Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. We're going to read all the way to 17, but we're going to split it up because the way Exodus 33 is written is broken up into three different parts. And what we're going to do, the first part, we're going to read... Because the first portion we're looking at to, to create and sustain movement in our lives, we need a personal encounters. We need personal encounters with God. Personal encounter. That's your first point. Let's go there. 33 starting in verse 1 through 4, and then we'll jump down to 15 through 17. The Lord said to Moses, To part, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jezubites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you the way, the way, uh, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. And we're talking about those ornaments. They, put, they took ornaments off. They took all the gold out of Egypt when they were released from Egypt. God brought them up out of Egypt. They decided all the gold, all the riches from the Egyptians, let's go ahead and build something with it. They still hang, they're hanging around partying with it on. 
It's amazing when you read the Bible, it says God brought them out of Egypt. But when God was about to go postal, he says, Moses, you brought them out because I'm done with them. Ever feel that way at work? I'm done with them. You don't say anything, you're lying. Let's go to 15 through 17. Unpack this. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I on your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. Now, this is Moses interceding, praying for the people, because in verse 14, God said, I will just take you up, Moses. And Moses said, that's not good enough, God. You need to take everybody up. Now, one thing I see when I read this passage that we have a tendency to do, there's a level of success in one through four. That God will drive out things in our lives, drive out areas in our life for us to be successful. But we don't, we're looking for the promise, but we don't care about the presence. When you're a hard charger, God is going to give you, they're going to give him an angel. Angel's not good enough. I call that the good idea. When God goes with me, that's the God idea. It's, it's possible for you to receive a promise without the presence of God. And when I was convicted of, I'm always going to God. Listen to me. I go to God, and we spend time together discussing the promises. But never sp- and I get disappointed if I don't see him versus spending time with him for his presence. So I missed some valuable time discussing the promises. God, give me this. God, we don't have this. Fill this up. Blow this up. And he's like, hey. And I come away. My prayer time wasn't all that strong. Why? Because I was concentrating on the promise, but not his presence. And God said, when you spend time with me, it's about the presence. Moses saw that. Unless you go with us, I'm not going. Now, I won't even go by myself. We all need to go. And we see that. Moses was an incredible leader. He could have easily said, well, forget him. I'm going with you. But he didn't. It's like real leadership is. I remember running my mile and a half in in, uh, basic training. I thought I was a hero. I'm like, get over the line. Hey, I'm awesome. From New York, I outran all you guys, you scrubs. And I got yelled at. You know why? T.I. said, you left all your buds back there, superstar. You so fast, help the others get over there. Now, I'm saying it nice. They weren't saying it nice. They were saying it before the 60 minutes hit, it, hit us. And they put your hands on, you see. That's how it worked. I'm a better man for it. Now, some of y'all is going through basic training. Y'all, never mind. Let's go. Let me move on. But it's about taking everybody with you. As a leader, he saw that. See, the most significant thing about God is his person, not his promises, guys. We can't just keep going to God, give me, give me, give me. It's about me. You miss his presence. It's just sitting in his presence so he'll convert you and change you. And as he changes you, the promises are not that important. All I want is more of God. There's an intimacy that we can do. I just want God. When I have God, I have everything. And everything that's going to be added, I won't even recognize it because I have God. 
When I got hurt growing up, I wanted my mama. What do you want? I don't want a Band-Aid. Just hold me. To my dad came home. Get up out of her. Get up and get outside. <laughs> I just wanted to be with her. I don't care what kind of promises she made. Being with her was awesome. Being with God is an intimacy that we can do as believers, that we will move with God. And we are just sitting in his presence, enjoying him, not the promises. And that's what Moses did. And he was able to intercede. God, great idea. I'll go with you. We'll start over again. No, God, unless you go. He recognized some, unless you go. I'm not going. Why? Because who's going to tell the difference between us and them? He says he'll make you distinct. Look at this. God's presence makes us distinct. Not standards, not rituals, not a great theology. I'm a biblical theology major. I study systematic theology. Then I'm dealing with reformed theology. And when I get with people, all they want to talk about is theology. I just want to talk about the presence of God. How can I get closer to him? There is an intimacy, guys, that you can achieve with the Father. But we have to drop the petitions. There's time for petitions. But just spend, when was the last time you used to say, well, just spend time with God in his presence. No agenda. Because he has no, he already accomplished his agenda. He got us born again. He bought the Savior. He did all the work. Now he says, just, can you guys just enjoy me? You know, if you date somebody, hey, is all you want me for is that? You're not going to stay married long. You're not going to stay together long because all you're getting with me, the only time you call me is when you want what? Something. And then our relationship with God, our intimacy with God, only works the level of our answers from God. So we have no answers this week. We have, oh, man, God isn't real. He's not able. He's able. He's God. Did you get a chance to sit with him in his presence? Yeah, you got everything. Reason why I'm so strong on this, we have him if you're born again. If you don't, there's no one you can sit with. When I sit with God, all the things I think are going on or going wrong, there's a different attitude about it, a different vision about it. He's like, what are you, I mean, really, this is how he speaks to me. What are you tripping about? Am I not God? Come on, somebody. The simplicity of just sitting with the Father. And you don't have to be good to get there. You don't have to fix yourself up to get there. Why? What are you trying to do? Fix yourself up? He already knows all your imperfections. The ones you try to hide every week. He knows them. He's God. But with no relationship, it's no excitement. Because all it is is about, I'll be excited when he gives me my checklist. Moses didn't want that. I just want you, Lord. And when we're distinct, you'll notice something. We stand out without even trying. Some of you experience that at work. You go into a new place. They're cursing. But after a couple weeks, they're apologizing. Did you say anything? That's just a remnant of God in your life. 
when you start to shine and the glory of God's coming out of you, automatically people get convicted. They don't know why. They want to apologize for bad language. Why? Because God is in the place with you. And the reason why the place that you work at is successful, because God is in the place with you. He makes us distinct, not by our standards, rituals, or theology. makes us distinct by his presence. By his presence. His amazing, loving presence that's inside of each and every one of us. And everything else works out of that. We heard, I heard something this, this week. I don't want God to be a part of me. I want, him, I want him to be all of me. I want to make him a part of my life. I want him to be my life. If he becomes a part, that means I can remove that part and put a new part in when I feel better. When he's all of me, everything else got removed. And what I'm saying is, it's a joy. It's just a pleasant peace when you're walking. And, you, and where everyone else needs peace today, They'll see your peace, and you didn't even, tr- you don't have to play no Christian music. You just sit at your desk and work the hardest. You don't have to do any of that. You just be you. And they'll say, there's something different about you. Yes, I'm glad you asked that question. Now let me give you an answer. And I don't care if you like the answer, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. And when I say the truth, the God, the Holy Spirit in me gets a hold of them, and there's two responses. Either they don't care or they get mad. I hope they get mad because they know God has hit something that he needed to hit. They get angry? Great. They got convicted. Same way we did when we came to Jesus. We got mad at preacher. Boy, I got to give my life to Jesus. Hurry up. Because it's a process. So Moses was able to see that. Let's look at it. The second one is we need to build your tent. Creating and sustained movement in our lives, you have to, the second one, you got to build your tent. Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11. Now this is Moses. It jumps around because you're like, like starting to fall, we go down here to the answer. But this is Moses' way to build intimate, create movement in his life. Verse 7, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. Talks about getting away. From the far from the camp. See that? Far off from the camp. He called the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out of, out of the tent, all the people would rise up, each to stand his own tent door, and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his own tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart the tent. If you know about Joshua, he became the he became Moses' understudy. When Moses left, died, Joshua took over. But look at the tent. Building a place 
were to meet with God. One thing about your tent, it has to be mobile. He pitched his tent and he walked it outside the, outside the camp. I love it because everyone says, I'm too busy for God. Well, I'm going to have to tell you, your, your tent has to be portable. So wherever you go, God isn't like limited if you're in your car. Hello? He's not. So you pitch your tent, which is mobile. And he went outside the camp. And it says the cloud came down. The presence of God showed up. And he sat in the presence of God. He didn't call it the tent of request. He called it the tent of meeting. That means you want to meet, I want to meet with God every single day. Why would I want to miss time with God? Do you make it mobile? He took it. And I noticed he had a firsthand, him and Joshua had a firsthand experience with God. A lot of times in the church of, of Jesus Christ in America, we act like the people in their tents. They want to experience God vicariously through the leaders. They could have went to the same tent of meeting where Moses was at, but they'd rather stand back and watch Moses get everything and then criticize him when they let him down. When they could have went into the tent where the glory of God was, but they wait, oh, okay, as long as you're doing it, Pastor Rich, as long as you're doing it, Jack, we're good to go. We'll live vicariously through someone else. We hear it all the time. I wish that so-and-so was here because we used to do this. Well, why come you're not doing it? Why? It wasn't that good anyway. You were living vicariously through someone else. Come on, somebody. There's no movement. They're moving, but you're not. You're at the tent. Awesome. Go back home. Joshua didn't leave. Guys, when you build your tent, it's your tent. It isn't my tent. It isn't Miss Donna's tent. It isn't Miss Stephanie's tent. It's your tent. As you go to college, you got to discover your own tent. You can't live in your mother and father's tent. It's a tent of meeting. Or you're meeting with God. You can't blame your mom and dad the way they raised you. You're 20, if you're over 20 years old, you're qualified. Change your life. They didn't, leave, they didn't go to church. Well, you go to church. They didn't pray. Well, you pray. It's your tent. It's your relationship. The simplicity of it, fill your tent. Give you two things on the tent. The most, Moses grew in his intimacy, God, through his disciplines and patterns. Because the life of God filled with God's presence has to be built. Now the disciplines and the patterns. We see this every year when the, when the new year starts. Every man makes a new year's resolution to start working out. The first 30, 15 days. And it's a desire. You have a desire to work out because you ate too much. Then it comes into the third week. Then we happen in school all the time. I want to go to school. Then your second week is the discipline week. Oh, this stinks. Ah, where's the fun? What happened to the desire? Well, you have to not stop at the discipline stage. You have to go in to the, to the delight stage. And what happens when we talk about getting in the Bible and getting worship music and coming to church and getting in the life group later, you start off with all this desire to do it. And then about a couple weeks, the discipline comes in. You hate it. And then you quit. I'm guilty. 
And we miss the delight stage where it's very delightful to do this. It's not even a discipline anymore. I need this. I need God more than I ever needed him. Because out of him, my being, my moving, from him. And that desire jumps to delight. I don't start and I don't stop. But if you stop, the grace, that's why we can radiate his grace. The law you could reflect, the spirit of God, the grace you you radiate. Because it becomes a delight to come to church. It comes a delight to get in the Bible study. It comes a delight to hand out, to uh, go out and do um, evangelism. It becomes a delight to do the things of God. Yes, it's a discipline stage. Sometimes you pray, you, get, you feel like you're getting nothing, but your spirit's getting fed. The desire, we'll give you that today. Some of y'all walk out with a great plan. I'm going to give you some tools on how to do that. But when you hit the discipline stage, don't quit because you'll punch over into delight. And this is nothing new I'm telling you except I learned this in the U.S. military. Because when it gets discipline, discipline starts, we forget about desire and we forget the delight. Marriages quit too soon because they get into the desire. Desire lasts two, four, two to four years. Then the discipline comes in and everyone wants to quit because they don't know how to punch over to delight. And I'm telling you, after 24 years with her, it is delightful because she knows me. And it's good because she hasn't dropped me. And she wouldn't. She told me one way out. Y'all know. And I am delighted with that. Amen. Build your tent. Build your tent. Four things to build your tent. I love technology today. With all our down iPods. I talked about how simple is the iPod. CDs are getting old, I know. But you can download stuff in your car now. Your car is a computer. And let me give you four ways to build your tent. Guys, put that up for me. How about this, guys? Take your Bible. Read one chapter of the Gospels, Psalms, and the Proverbs every day. Every day. I do that every day. And I might miss 30 minutes of television. When it gets good, I miss a whole lot of television. And I'm not saying morning and afternoon, but you can do that. And you don't have to worry about reading it because while we have these new systems that talk to you while you're driving, as long as you keep your eyes on the road, okay? (laughs) Second one is, listen to sermons in your car. Listen to worship in your car. One of the greatest Patriarchs. One of the greatest leaders in the Bible is David. He didn't do everything perfect, but he was the only one I know who had to be run off and got put in a cave with the rest of his family members. You know what he did with that cave? He turned it into a tabernacle. All the psalms that you're reading are songs that David wrote inside a cave when people were bearing down to kill him. So it didn't matter his surroundings. He converted his surroundings from that to something else. Next one. 
Download sermons to your iPod when you work out. You can go on, if you have a great preacher, any great preacher, even if I'm a great preacher sometimes, find that person that talks faith, that speaks faith. Find that that connects with you. The Word of God is the Word of God. Once it hits you, it's like a seed. It starts to grow in you. But if you don't put the Word in you, you're putting something else in you. And if you don't put the Word in you, you're letting the devil put a whole bunch of other stuff in you. Accusate all those things that you don't like, that your mind messes you up, that's implanting stuff. But if you put the Word of God, his, his seed wipes out anything else. Last one. How about reading again? We make our kids read the reading plan, don't we? Parents, did you read your book today? And I'm going to tell the kids, we told them back there in the back. Ask your parents, did you read your Bible today? In a couple weeks, you're going to hear that. Now they're going to do it respectfully. How about 30 minutes? 15 in the morning, 15 in the afternoon. Because we're busy. Boy, we're busy. You know, modern age was supposed to make it simple. How many know it's not simple anymore? Technology is supposed to make it simple. The, the phone won't stop ringing, especially when I'm reading. Used to be, you want to find out, we had, before we had an answer machine, we just called you back, and we didn't even know you called. Sorry. Know why? Because it was dinner time. Remember dinner time? You weren't allowed to, you weren't allowed to separate us from dinner. We got by that phone. If that phone rang during dinner, my dad will hurt you. How about this with our life with Christ? Our life with God. Put a zone in. Put a time in. If you don't text them back in 5.3 seconds, they'll be okay. Because we all need him. And when life seems screwed up in your, in your mind, in your eyes, in your speech, the reason it is because we haven't got with our Father who brings everything into order. Intimacy with God is the simplicity of life. We talked about clarity. We talked about intimacy. Movement in our lives. Moving. When you get with God, you start to really start to grow up in a lot of things. Like I did when I read this sermon. I'm like, gosh, I don't know how many times I've come to you with my list. I just ain't coming to hang out with you. And we all yell at our kids, you just want me for something? We do. We get out our kids. Is that the only time you come to my house when you want something to eat? And they'll say, yeah, I do. And that's what God says. Is this all you come to me because you want something, Rich? Yeah, I do. No. Change my language because I want you, God. Nothing else, man. Nothing else matters. My marriage won't work. Growing this church won't work. Jobs won't work. Nothing works unless I have time with him. And he's moving me on and growing me up on. Because most of the problems I encounter, guys, it's my fault. Because I read the Bible and say, you ought to be loving somebody. Man, I thought you were on my side. He is. He's growing me up. He's moving me into another place. How about you? It's the last time you just settled down. Those four things, they'll be on our webpage. Turn your cars into tabernacles. 15 minutes driving to work. 
You don't have to work. You don't have to. You know, it's not like you, the old days when we had dial-up internet and you hope it clicked in. God, when you say Jesus, he's, oh, you, oh, you hey, I'm right here. I never left you because I never leave you or forsake you. Not like he leaves you out there to get beat up and he's, I got to get to you. He's always like this to you. He's all over you. Know where he's at most of the time? In your conscience. You're like, I wish I stopped thinking that way because that's God in there with you. Sorry, bro. He gets closer than that because he's inside of us. And we go too fast. Thinking we're moving, we have action, and we're not going anywhere. The only time we go anywhere is with God. My marriage goes everywhere with God. When I stop meeting with him, everything else is just activity that makes me older. I might not look it, but I feel it. Why don't we all stand? I was going to close one way, but I'm going to close another way.